The views, statements and opinions expressed in this episode are solely our own, including our guest, and these do not necessarily represent those of our employers. I'm Georgie and I'm VG. Welcome to our podcast Diversity and Inclusion Satisfying the Tick Box. Today's episode is going to cover menopause. So just to give a bit of background on menopause, um, menopausal women are the fastest growing demographic in the workforce and the average age for a woman to go through menopause is 51. It can be much earlier than this though from natural causes or due to surgery or illness Um, And symptoms may even start years before menopause as well. And according to the Faculty of Occupational Medicine, nearly eight out of 10 menopausal women are in work and three out of four women experience symptoms and one in four could experience serious symptoms, which is why it's so important for organisations to provide those accommodations for whoever's going through this. And in today's episode, we have two special guests. We have firstly, Kylie Hope, who's going to share her lived experience with us and help us understand how menopause can affect women and the options available to help. Secondly, we've got Rachel Collins, who's a DNI leader, who's going to share us share with us a, a perspective from a DNI leader's lens. So welcome to you both. And uh, can you give us a quick introduction to yourselves? Hi, um, my name's Kylie um, and I'm an EA at a um, relatively large tech organisation and I'm really pleased to be here today to answer any questions. Hello, I'm Rachel. I head up diversity, equity and inclusion for a tech organisation and um, really passionate about this topic. Thank you. Thank you both for those introductions. Um, I'm just going to start with you, Kylie. Would it, it would be great to hear from you what menopause is and why it's um, such an important topic to you? Sure. Um, well, menopause, there's two stages of menopause. Um, you have the perimenopause, which can start at um, quite an early age that the studies are now showing, but generally around your early 40s. So between sort of 40 to 45, you start getting the what they call the perimenopause. And that's where a lot of the um, physical symptoms and mental symptoms start to come into um, play. Um, and menopause is actually just one day. It's when you haven't had a period of for one whole year um, and on that day is when you actually start the menopause and it's really important to me because I, I definitely have had a, ro- a roller coaster throughout this journey. Um, I started the perimenopause when I was about 42 and um, started to have symptoms and I was very lucky. I had an extremely um, empathetic and understanding doctor at the time and the one thing that the more you read and learn about this process is it's really it's really gp lottery if you have a a really good gp you get great support but unfortunately there just isn't a lot of support out there so when i did move addresses and went to a different surgery um the support was diabolical um to the point where i actually had to get medication through friends in the interim of getting it all sorted so it's important to me 
to do these sorts of podcasts and and blogs and various other mediums is because I just want women to understand that there's so much support out there and not just women, just anyone that's supporting somebody that's going through this. So, you know, obviously it's the person themselves, but, you know, it does really affect everybody around you. It can affect your work and it can affect your friendship. And, you know, just there's so much information and there's a really good support networks ranging from people who have got Instagram accounts. And this is from doctors and, um, you know, there's some really good bit of knowledge out there now that's a lot more up to date. Historically, the, there was the information that was available was quite scaremongering that, you know, if you took HRT, you were going to get breast cancer. And, and it's so dated, a lot of that. There's much more recent studies. And, you know, I feel that it's important for women to to know that there's just a lot of support out there and the right treatment as well. Thank you, Kylie, for sharing your personal experience. And uh, we'll come on to, you know, what kind of support and uh, adjustments that there are. But I wanted to cover with you, you mentioned that there's physical and mental symptoms. Can you clarify and and for the purpose of the listeners, just uh, tell us a little bit more about that? Absolutely. Um, so physical symptoms, they, they, well, again, the recent studies are now showing that there's a lot of, um, uh, physical symptoms. But the main ones that I think that most women do get is you can sweat a lot. You, um, you can be extremely tired one day. You can be, have a lot of energy the next day. You can get itchy skin. Um, you can also um, have a lot of tenderness in your breasts. There can be also vaginal problems that you can have that people don't want to talk about because it's you know quite a, uh, a personal area that you'd want to discuss. But these things do become um, an issue throughout this journey. For, for not all women, um, I'd just like to add that not every single woman goes through the menopause. Some are quite lucky and they don't. Um, mental issues, it ranges from you can you can lose a lot of your identity and your security and your thoughts because you start the you start to get forgetful really forgetful and i'm talking where you can question whether or not you are you go what are you going through is this early alzheimer's or dementia then once you find out that you're going through the peri or menopause um you, you have a better understanding that it's part of this but the, the forgetfulness so then when you start forgetting things at work and you're not doing things up to the par that you would normally be you start questioning you think well am I good at my job you know, am I good at looking after my children am I good at being a friend so all these things accumulate um to you know just a lot of self-doubt and and um losing a lot of self-confidence that's um so interesting all of those symptoms because I literally had no idea about any of those so it's really um really important to talk about them and I'm just going back to when you said about the treatment and you had to get your medication through your friends could you just share some of the treatment process that you've been through and kind of what what support you get with that absolutely um so when I first um started getting symptoms um it was the symptoms that took me to my doctor was that I was having really restless sleeps I'm really tired all the time and then I went and had checks for b12 and low iron and all that was normal um and um started to get forgetfulness so um had a blood test which is a standard procedure to find out if you're going through the menopause you should have one and then another one about three months later to check your hormones um altering quite a lot or not um and then I went on what they call the patches and these were small patches that you put on either the inside of your thigh or your backside 
Um, and they worked for about eight months, really good, started to notice the symptoms subsiding. And then after about eight to 12 months, I went back to my doctor and said, look, I'm not really, I'm starting to notice the symptoms coming back quite strong. So she said, we'll try these larger patches and they were enormous and they were very hard. And so they just didn't work for me. And at the time, my doctor was trying um, the gel, which is like a um, you put on the top part of your arm and on the inside of your thighs in the evening. It's two pumps, and it's just like putting a moisturiser on at night. And she, Because she was trying it, I thought, you know what, if the GP is going to be trying this, yeah, let me try this. It's been the best thing that I've ever done because it's not like you have to take a tablet at a certain time of the day. I literally put it on in the morning before I put my cream and everything on and do my other beauty routine. And then the evening, likewise, I get out the shower, put my gel on. And so, and it depends on your hormone levels as to how many pumps you would do a day. But generally, most women do between three to five, again, depending on your hormone levels. Um, but when I changed doctors, um, the, the surgery that I went to, they just didn't have the education about menopause. And that's what's lacking in the UK at the moment. Um, in a lot of GPs is the, is the knowledge or any menopause specialist in that surgery. And because I've got a history of DVT, um, from a very routine operation 10 years ago, um, one of the pharmacists that works for my GP refused to give me treatment, despite me being on it for four years already. Um, and it's proven that having a history of DVT now, you're not prone to get more breast cancer. You can be prone to getting any form of breast cancer, whether you're on the pill or whether you're on HRT, that the numbers are, are very equal. In fact, I think they're now proven that being on HRT, you're, you know, the, the percentage is quite low. And now every woman's different. So I'm not going to say that one woman that gets on HRT will not get breast cancer because I'm not a, you know, I'm not a medical practitioner, but you know, that was my argument was, you know, I I'm prepared to take that risk and I just have regular checkups. Um, but it took up to, nine months with several several wrongdoings from the GP like they sent me to a, a gynecologist to get a checkup then when I got to the gynecologist they hadn't sent my form so then I had to come back um, then when I went back they, they didn't have the appointment so it was just a catalogue of errors through my GP but I, I, I finally um, we're finally in a good place now um, and all of this what didn't help was going on through COVID um, so you've that sort of exasperated a lot of stress and a lot of um anxiety with going through the, the the perimenopause at that point thank you kylie for sharing that that's uh, quite personal and uh, i wanted to uh, i wanted to ask you you mentioned that there's not enough knowledge what are the common misconceptions or biases surrounding menopause oh i think the big one is that your life stops <laughs> and that you know you're old and decrepit um and which is far from the truth because you know that you you know there's so many different nationality, races, ages of women that are going through this that, yeah, it isn't easy. It is a process that you have to try and get your head around. And if you're fortunate enough to have a really supporting network, then it is a bit of a smoother ride. Um, and if you're not, then it's pretty bumpy. But your life, you know, you don't stop going to work. Well, hopefully you don't have to, because but some women do. But your life does continue. When you get the right treatment, and, and many women that I have spoken to at work and outside of work. I mean, I know two women that said to me that they were feeling even suicidal because they had no idea what was going on. Once they got the right support and treatment, how their life changes. And now, you know, they look back and think, well, God, that was really rocky time, but I'm, I'm on a good path now. And, um, you know, I think getting the right treatment is, is quite crucial. And, um, 
yeah, I think the conception that you're you're old when you get this and and life stops and it's just really far from the truth. And and I think also that the that the, the cancer scare is very dated now. I think I think that's why it's so important to do kind of podcasts like this and share your story because absolutely it can, it can help so many women to kind of understand it a bit more and kind of put it into real life. Um, yeah, and it also helps younger people coming through. You know that because you know at some point you 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 you're pretty likely to go through this some people don't but there is a fairly high percentage that you'll go through some form of perimenopause um and we all stop our period at some point women do um so it's also preparing for the because I've I've talked to my mum I had no idea it might have explained some behaviors when I was younger with her but I just thought she was just um, my mum being cranky um when I was younger and you know her mum probably went through it and all those generations where they just didn't talk about god definitely didn't talk about you know um women's problems whereas now the world is becoming much more open and i think having these discussions is allowing everybody to go through this process a lot more open um not so on their own and um isolated and just it allows the next generations coming through to prepare themselves better for it 100 percent, i couldn't agree more i think it's um it's also important to around advice and having that support when you're younger. Is there any advice which you wish you'd been given a bit a bit earlier on? Um, yeah, I suppose the advice would probably be that just to talk about it a little bit more. And it's a bit of a catch-22, that one, because you want to talk about it because you're going through this, but then you don't want to talk about and say that you know that your brain isn't, you've got this brain fog, because that's, that's what you'll hear a lot of women say, they have brain fog. I mean, you don't want to say that because then you wrote about, you know, maybe your your, your boss or, your, you know, somebody's thinking you're not performing that well. But you have to. You have to sort of speak up and say, look, you know, I'm going through this process um, and through this journey. There's no sort of given time ending on this either. And I think the advice was just to do a bit of research because I think there's so much out there now that's, as I keep saying, is very relevant. A lot of the information before was so dated that it was, you know, if you went on HRT, you're going to get cancer. If you went on HRT, that means you're old. That It's just so different, really. The information and, and the availability of what's out there is just far from removed to what the information that we've previously held. Kylie, I want to tie this back into the, the workplace and how does mm-hmm. how can menopause impact you at work and what's kind of the support or adjustments that is required at work for someone who's going through menopause? Well, it can affect you a lot at work um, because you, this brain fog that women get, it's because you just, you can be talking one minute and just stop and think, I don't even know what ne- the next word is that's going to come out. And you hear a lot of women say that they just completely forget themselves mid-sentence. So you put yourself in a really important meeting and you're talking and next minute you're thinking, I don't even know what I'm meant to be saying next. And you can do that once. But when you start doing it a couple of times, it's just natural behavior to start thinking, oh my God, what is going on? And then you, you know, if you're not in a safe environment, you're, you continue to try and cover it up. Um, and, you know, it, it really can affect you, it affect people at work because, you know, you're, you've got this brain fog, you, you're trying your hardest. Um, you know, life is full of pressures anyway, and you're trying your hardest to, you know, do your gig right. And, you can't you can't think straight so um to have a company which supports you um is is god it's it's uh it's worth its weight in gold really yeah 100 percent. i think 
everything you've said is so informative. Thank you so much for sharing your your experiences, Kylie. It's been really, really great to hear. Rachel, don't worry, we haven't forgotten about you. We're going <laughs> to just move on to your kind of area. So what what's your kind of perspective? What do you think the role of, say, managers or CEOs play in accommodating their employees with menopause? Well, I think from my perspective, I, I really believe that inclusion starts from the top so to have a really gender inclusive and also age inclusive workplace this affects women from a certain age onwards and the philosophy of the organization being inclusive that that does does start from the top and and cascades down or should cascade down but from the manager perspective I think that what we have to remember is that this is a really personal journey and it impacts people in many different ways. Some people get really severe symptoms. Some people get spells of severe symptoms and then times when it's not as bad. Um, you know, it's just very, people get different symptoms. It's different for everyone. And so I think the line manager can play a really important role because there isn't just one way to support somebody who's going through this. It really depends on the individual and what support they need. So it's really important to have that line manager relationship where you're able to share what's going on for you. Um, and, and the line manager plays that role in making that safe space so that people are able to share what's going on with them, um, share their difficulties, share if they need any adjustments. So uh, adjustments could be anything from, you know, I need to work from home because actually I'm really struggling at the moment or I I would really benefit from having a, a fan on my desk or, um, you know, if it's a company that wears uniforms, it might be that the, the, the uniform is, an, is, is exacerbating symptoms. So it's really important that people are able to have those types of well-being conversations with their managers mm-hmm. and and managers are able to to understand and, and you know, react in a way that's supportive. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's really important to remember that it's an individual journey i completely agree with you rachel in terms of managers creating that open communication but also transparency uh you mentioned safe uh safe space and also um some of the adjustments that are made and again these will be tailored to each individual as uh, each individual's needs uh, are different but what i wanted to ask you is do you think a lot of people feel uncomfortable talking about it due to the lack of knowledge and you mentioned some of the some of the support systems that have been put up in place what are some of the initiatives that you've implemented uh, in at your organization if if you're happy to share those yeah happy to i think people are uncomfortable sometimes in sharing what's going on with them because it is personal and because there is bias and and people will be worried sometimes sharing this information um you know will it reflect badly on me will somebody um you know act in a way that's not understanding and make me feel worse people are, are worried about discrimination and and you know i think the key thing is 
making sure that as a workplace, it's very, very clear that, that the workplace aims to be inclusive and supportive of people going through this. And I think that's the, the first step in many ways is, is make it very clear to managers that they have a duty of care to support their team members and make it clear to to everyone else that if they're experiencing this and they can um they can expect support from the company i think the the top thing is to just get talking about it i mean in, in the the organization i work for one of the first things that we did was we worked with our women's network to host some some webinars where people shared their experiences but also we heard from menopause experts um who talk very very openly about how the menopause can affect people different in different ways and also at work and what was really interesting is that we we got that was one of the organization's um top webinars we got really high numbers of people attending we got a lot of men attending who were really keen to find out how they could support team members but also in their personal lives how they could support their wives we had someone come on and share that he um, was aware that his sister was having a tough time and wanted to join to find out how he could support her so people what became clear to me is that there isn't a lot of information out there or there hasn't been historically and people actually do want to support each other and the workplace can play a role in enabling that. So we started the journey that way. The other things that we have done is, is just make sure that we have champions, um, menopause champions in the workplace who are people who have been trained to have that bit more knowledge to offer a listening ear when people are struggling and signpost to further help and support I think that the point that Kylie made earlier which was around how um how it's important to have a a, a supportive company and a supportive boss you know you want to make sure that there are those people in place that people can go and ask for support. So if they if they have a manager that they're not quite sure how to talk to them, they can go to a menopause champion and get support that way. So it's just very important to have all of those those people in place that that can offer that type of support. I think it's great that you've got those champions and those people that employees would know who to go to if they don't feel like they've got anyone to talk to but yeah I think it's also fantastic the that you put on a webinar and that so many people wanted to come and listen and join I think because it's not really a, a topic that's spoken about too much especially with men um so I think that's that's really great and why do you think it's important to kind of manage the effects of menopause and women at work and kind of give them that support well, I think you said earlier, Georgie, about how it's a fast-growing demographic within the workplace, women who are of, of the age where people go through menopause. And there are many studies out there that talk about um, women quite often considering leaving the workforce because of their menopause symptoms. And quite simply, we know that when people get the right support, 
they they can stay and thrive at work and so it becomes obvious then to me that if employee if employers support people then they're going to be able to retain people for longer reduce absence and we can we can attract women into the workforce if if we know that if they know that they're able to be supported um it it just sets the tone for a, an inclusive organization and one that values well-being so yeah i mean i wanted to make clear in terms of we we actually at my organization set up a working group in terms of what we could do to ensure um people were supported and one of the goals that we we outlined at the very start was that we want to make sure that people don't want to leave the workplace because of this we want to retain people um and retain great talented women um so yeah i think that that that's that's the key thing and i agree with you rachel you mentioned about creating that safe space so that they can basically bring their best selves to work so finding the belonging at work is is quite crucial as well as allyship because when you've got allyship it's it's that support network that's there for anyone who's going through that they know who to reach but also asking for help shouldn't should shouldn't be a a barrier everyone should be comfortable to go and ask for that help um have you seen any incidents where individuals were a bit afraid or didn't really know where to go for help before I mean I I have I think over the years um though I think it's fewer people are afraid to ask for support because workplaces are talking about this more and more so um I've definitely seen a change and a a positive one but I, I you know I also think that you know, I work globally and there were different um, attitudes towards aging and menopause and talking about personal things in work and in different cultural cultural locations. And I think that it's important to be cognizant of that, you know, especially if you're a manager of a global team, you know, to, to understand that somebody from... Um, you know, a, a certain location might find it easier to ask for help than others. Um, so, yeah, for me, I think that definitely things have improved over time, but there's still work to do um, to ensure that, that as I said, we, we create the safe spaces. And that's not something I think that you can do once. That's something where you need to keep reminding people that, that you know, the door is open and that you're you're there to support thank you so much rachel for sharing your insights and uh, we're just gonna uh, wrap it up so we always end uh, our episodes with a key takeaway so we're gonna ask you kylie and rachel to share what would be your key takeaway for our listeners sure um thanks for this opportunity Um, i think my key takeaway from my journey so far is um that don't feel that you're alone um there's thousands of other women going through this process um, and you'll be surprised of how many people that you actually know are going through this um do some research so that you can understand what the process is all about and be persistent with your gp because they have to provide you with the right support um 
and you know the, the right support in the right treatment as well because every woman is different so every woman's going to need a, a completely different um, treatment program. Thank you Kylie and Rachel? Very similar to what Kylie has said actually I, I think remembering as a key takeaway that people experience this differently and that there isn't one size fits all approach to, to supporting somebody who's experiencing menopause symptoms. The other thing that I would say though is talk about it. Menopause in the past has been seen as a, a bit of a taboo and the only way to, to break a taboo is to be really open and talk about it. And that, that enables people to come forward um, and, and be able to be supported. Thank you so much, Kylie and Rachel, for coming on the podcast and sharing your different perspectives, but also your stories so that we can break the taboo of uh, menopause. Yeah, I just wanted to say thank you both as well. I've definitely learned so much. It's definitely a topic that needs to be spoken about more and make it less taboo. And thank you to our listeners for joining us this week. Please make sure you're following our podcast on Spotify and feel free to give it a rating and review as well. So keep your eyes peeled for our next guest and the episode which will be dropping next month. Thank you again and we'll see you next time on Diversity and Inclusion, Satisfying the Tick Box. 